Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 76 with our guest, Catherine Binkley. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, guys. Thanks for joining us and spending your time. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. You know I am your host, Josh Carey. Our guest today is a business strategist and mindset coach on a mission to help female entrepreneurs live their best lives by creating wildly profitable businesses. I want some of that. Mm. After 10 successful years in the marketing agency world, Catherine Binkley ventured out to truly take control of the impact she could have on women craving success, flexibility, happiness, and financial freedom. Did you catch all that? Success, flexibility, happiness, and financial freedom. And she hasn't looked back since. Now Catherine spends her days helping women move past their mindset blocks, plan and implement strategies that drive results and unlock their true potential, waiting to be shared with the world. I can get all behind that. With her no-nonsense tough love approach and a decade plus of experience, it's never long before Catherine's clients begin to build a life that lights them up while filling their days with purpose, passion, and a healthy pipeline of swoon-worthy clients. Swoon-worthy. What a phrase. Help me welcome to the show, Catherine Binkley. How's it going, Catherine? Awesome. I'm so glad to be here. I'm all about what you're all about, and I just can't wait to chat about it. You're all about what I'm all about. I love I know. that. Um, what I love is that um, I also spent a great deal of time in the marketing world, and now I like to spend time in this world that combines all of what you're doing with the mindset and getting through that. So let's start right there. Um, looking uh, towards that mindset, that is paramount to get right if you're starting a business? Yeah, it's everything. I think it's 99%. And when I came from the marketing world, I didn't think that at first. I knew what needed to happen. I had the strategy. I had years of experience working with hundreds of clients. Um, I knew what I was doing. But when I went out on my own, it didn't matter what I knew if I was getting in my own way. And let me tell you, I was getting in my own way a lot. Um, we all do. And so I realized just how important mindset is to everything. And um, I can almost equate it to in, the, in a larger organization, there's a saying about culture eating strategy for breakfast. I think there's even a book by that name. And I think in a solopreneur space, mindset eats strategy for breakfast if you were to draw that parallel. So I, I know I've seen that to be true. I can totally agree. Uh, agree. I spent years and years um, in running my own business and hitting the same wall over and over again and wondering why and couldn't figure it out because on paper, I'm like, this is brilliant and necessary and perfect in every way. Let me just 
you know, uh, offer it to the people who need it never worked. Hit the wall, frustration, confusion, anger, the vicious cycle. Okay, let me tweak it. Let me try this. Oh, this is what they need. Put it out there. Didn't work. Same frustration, same anger, vicious cycle. Kept hitting the same wall until, like you said, I realized, oh, wait a minute. I'm the variable here. I'm not getting it right. I have to work on this guy first. And then, and that's what you're saying. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Wow. So you also have um, a great phrase that I pulled from your website, and and I want to get your uh, further insight on it. You wrote, imagine creating a business designed around your life goals rather than trying to fit your life goals around your business and the clients you served. How perfectly stated is that? Well, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. So I've seen too many business owners, big and small organizations, build a business that turned into a machine that was running them. And they were almost even a slave to their own business, not living the life that they wanted. And that's just not how it's meant to be. And so when I talk about business, I can't help but talk about life. I believe those two things have to be crossed over. We have to address both. And so that means, you know, with solopreneurs, it's really hard to divide those two up. And instead of building that life to, to then pour into a business and make that the end goal, that's not the end goal at all. The end goal of a business is to build this life that lights you up. So that's the gist behind it. How do we, how do you um, begin the work with clients in that, you know, designing a a business around your life versus the other and really getting clear on the mindset. Because we all come to the table with our issues, with our fears, with our concerns. How do you like to work? Well, the very beginning is getting clear on what you want, what you want. And you might think, well, I, I, that's easy. I already know what I want. But so many people come to the table and they tell me what they want. And it's really what their mother-in-law wants, what their you know, sibling wanted for them, what their boss from the past career told them they'd be good at. All of these things are their neighbor, their friends. They're creating this life, that, this vision of their life in their minds based on what everyone else wants. And it's actually some tough work sometimes to get to the root of, no, forget everybody else. What do you want? And then helping them through the mindset to believe that it's actually possible for them. And how do we get, how do we work through that? Because again, we all have our own issues. So once we, and and first of all, I love that um, you're pointing out because we do, uh, you know, say what we want and it's not our voice. It's our in-laws or our siblings or our parents or our roommate, whatever. And we don't even realize that we're saying that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, when you get ready to tackle this whole mindset side of this piece. It's trying to get down for real what you want and then figuring out all the things that could potentially be keeping you from that. So what are, essentially, I like to ask, so why, why wouldn't you want that? If there were any reason that you wouldn't want that, why would that be? And everything that comes up, writing it down and just taking it one by one by one. And it's pretty crazy to see the things that might come up. And we're talking the the reasons that you might not want it, not related again to anyone else, but you might be resisting something that you actually want because of what you think it means. Um, For example, let's talk about you want to make more money. Like a lot of people want to make more money. So we could use a lot of examples, but let's say you want to make consistently $10,000 a month. Well, at the end of the day, you might not want to make $10,000 a month because that means that you're going to become like that rich person that you had an encounter with when you were younger and you don't want to become like them. Or it might mean that uh, if your relationship isn't going very well, then once you're making enough money and you're financially able, you might have to face that decision, that really tough decision of doing something, making some bold move in your relationship. And that's painful to even think about. So why make the money to start with so you never have the choice? It's so fascinating yeah. because you, you, you hit the nail exactly there. Um, 
two, two great examples. I love the second one. It's basically saying if you were to make that amount of money, what does that do to the person you've always thought you were? And now you sort of have to re-identify and relabel yourself mm-hmm. and see if people might start resenting you. All these things come up, right? And uh, we, get, we get fearful of that. And then we make excuses based around that. It, again, another never-ending cycle. Yeah, I think that far more people are actually afraid of success than those who are afraid of failure. And we talk a lot about failure, but when you really come down to it, you might not think about it, you might not hear it talked about, but more people are afraid of success. I was great at failure. I spent all my life in that failure loop um, because sort of looking back on it, it's because I didn't want to, I, from a very early age, I started telling myself the same uh, belief and story about myself, you know, to keep myself down that I'm not worthy, I'm not validated, nobody cares. So I surrounded myself with the people and the circumstances that would help me perpetuate that story. And boy, I got that. So I would then create all of this anger and frustration behind closed doors because there was a big contradiction. I knew that I was very capable, but I wasn't acting upon it. So in public I was, and I didn't want, I didn't want to step out of that label, out of that box that I kept myself in and allowed others to keep me in because I feared that there would be retaliation and resentment and I wasn't strong enough to, you know, and I didn't want to open myself up to that. So um, yeah, I mean, failure was easy. That's, that's how I just kept showing up. Um, but it was I the fear of the success on and, and what that would mean. I'd have to re-identify and reassociate. Uh, that, that's just a lot of work. It sure is. It's actually, I mean, change is hard. It's actually becoming that person that you want to be and starting living as that person now. And it's a choice, right? It, it's it's all a choice. That's all it is. You're right. And we are all capable. Um, like me, I just told myself and I resisted that version of myself that was there. That was really dying to come out. And that's why now I'm like, I'm going to do it. And it's, you know, it's much easier and much freeing and much, it feels good. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, Imagine that. It's incredible, (laughs) huh? Yeah. You have these, um, on your website, you have uh, three sections that I love tie in together. You talk about mindset, but then you also talk about strategy and accountability. So those three things are uh, equally necessary? Yeah, absolutely. I think that you need all three in order to be successful. I think you need the mindset more than you imagine. As I said, I think that's 99% of it. And then I mean, it's funny because that only leaves 1% and that sounds crazy, but then you need to know what to do. And with the mindset stuff out of the way, you're actually able to follow through if you have someone holding you accountable or you can hold yourself accountable depending on the type of person that you are, if you're a high achiever, but you need that accountability, whether from yourself or someone else, you need to know what to do and then you need to get out of your own way so you can do it. How does our, our ideal client come into all this? Because I know that that's part of what you do. You help us establish and uh, attract that person. It seems like uh, for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's ever elusive. Uh, just trying to speak to and find and relate to and have hire you. What do we have to know about an ideal client and attracting one? Well, first, it starts very similar to the way that we start with the mindset side, and that is figuring out who you actually want to work with. It all comes down to that choice, and you get to decide. There are so many people out there. Who do you want to work with? And that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. You have that freedom. It may not always feel that way. If you're having trouble getting clients, you might feel like you have to take anyone that comes your way. But if you really get clear on who it is that you want to serve, what, what would light you up to you know the type of person that would light you up, then once you're clear on that, um, it's more about being you and attracting. Like how can you attract that person? I love to talk more about attracting clients than, um, than this idea of, I don't like the idea of changing yourself and morphing. And yes, you need to communicate benefits. You need to speak in their language, but you want to attract people that want to work with you because of you and not try to mold yourself or change yourself to, to attract the right people. 
And clearly you're uh, walking that walk because on your website, which we'll link to so people have a quick uh, access point for that, it, it's so clear who you're talking to through your, through your um, branding, through your words, through your, your everything on your site, just crystal clear on who you're talking. So you're the, you're the example, right? Yeah, that's one of my values, lead by example. So thank you for pointing that out. Of course, very easy to witness there. I want to go back and see how we arrived uh, at this point in your life. If you would take us back to the early days, the beginning, what was life like for young Catherine? So if I go all the way back to really young life, I'm thinking back to like around the time I was six, those are some of my earlier memories. I may have some others in the mix, but some of my most solid memories are from when I was six years old and I was the oldest of a few siblings at that time, eventually the oldest of five. So lots of kids running around. And at that early age, my dad left. And so there was a lot of emotional, hmm. um, I guess, trauma, if you will, like true trauma for a six-year-old. And going from there and we can we need to probably spend some more time around that but moving from there that definitely changed who i was i stepped up um i grew up pretty quickly helped take care of my siblings stepped into to a role that um changed the direction of my entire life because of because of the circumstances it's pretty in, pretty impactful to look back in that one event to see how that changed everything how did you deal with that unfortunate event of your father leaving? Well, um, I attribute much of it to my mom. So first of all, I would say that she took that and used it as an example for me of who I could become and how I could be independent and never have to rely on anyone else so that I would never be in a situation where I could get this hurt and this upset. And I'm not saying that you should not be vulnerable still. Um, sometimes my mom jokingly says, she's actually said, I think I ruined you because she made me so fiercely independent. So there's some areas I would say I had to unlearn some behaviors, but um, I learned in that moment to just, to be really independent and strong and that no matter what, I'd be, I'd be okay. And I'd be more than okay. That I could take any circumstance and shift it for into the good, look at the positive side of it, be grateful for even the most painful things that happened and, and use it for good. And so that's the lesson I learned. I shifted everything, I was a high achiever, really independent. And yeah, that's, it's all attributed to my mom and the message that she poured into me. At a young age, you're saying yeah. you, you, you had those, those traits? Yeah, I mean, from a very, very young age, and sure, they, they looked a little different, but I always had incredible grades. I was a leader in my classroom. I mean, oldest of all of my siblings meant that I stepped up there. It's, it's interesting to, to look at how that manifested then versus what that turned into as I got older, but yeah, it was all there. It's fascinating because I, I, I talk to I talk to a lot of people on this show and whenever i hear a story from an oldest sibling there's a lot of these same traits and now comparing it to mine i have two children so i do have um an older there is an older in that mix um and she is she is fiercely independent and fiercely stubborn and fiercely go-getting and yes. just fiercely everything of course, also loving, kind, playful, generous, humorous, quirky, all these things. But I see that like, no, 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 she, she always wants to do it. She always wants to get her hands dirty and, and try things and, and be the one to do it. Is that, uh, is, 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 is that the traits? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think birth order is definitely a, a thing. Big, yeah, it's a, thing. <laughs> it's a big deal. And so, yeah, I resonate with all of those qualities. And I think that if anything, this circumstance that I went through just reinforced and strengthened all of those and made those like magnified those, if you will, it totally amplified those beyond what might even be considered normal. What were you telling me about feeling invisible? Yeah. So at that early age, I learned that, yes, I could be a high achiever. I could be independent but 
I also needed to play it safe. And I stepped, in, I stepped into a role almost protecting my mom and my siblings without them ever asking me to. And I didn't realize that until this last year. Like, What? Go ahead. I know. Like subconsciously, I stepped into this role and sure, I played it out, but I didn't really think about, it wasn't a decision I, I feel like I ever thought about and debated. I just did it and I didn't realize how it impacted me. And so we can, we can go there too. But um what I, what I learned was that I needed to protect myself, my mom, my siblings, and that one way to do that was to be more invisible, right? To hide. What were you protecting them from? Um, wow. From, from anything that I possibly could, from getting hurt, um, from pain of other people, like even, not that I could control this, but we taught, we, so one way that I would protect them was by not talking about what happened because I felt like that was embarrassing for my mom that she was left and, um, embarrassing, you know, to, to talk about some of the details of what actually happened and why he left. And, you know, it's not good things that, that really happened. Protecting, um, my mom from people knowing that she tried to take her own life. I didn't learn that until years later, but when I did, that was something that even though I found out and we discussed, we didn't want to share with everyone, or at least I assumed that, right. I assumed, okay, this is something she wouldn't want anyone to know. Um, and even going back further, like, um, the dad that left actually adopted me. So he wasn't my biological father. So I also hid the fact that there was another dad in my life and didn't talk about that because if I did, then his family may want to come around his, this is, I mean, we can really go deep here, but I had, um, I guess would have been a grandmother who I don't know. Um, but she tried to take me from my mom before I was ever like a year old. And so by being safe and quiet after the adoption went through, that meant, I mean, that truly being quiet, being invisible, truly did mean safety in my mind. I equated those two things. That was a firm connection in my, in my brain at six years old. Yeah. Wow. A lot of details, a lot of details there. I didn't know. I didn't know that. So, so what you said is you, you were actually adopted by the family that you lived with at that time when you were one. Yeah. So my mom, but a different dad adopted me. And then at six, he's the dad that left. Wow. Are you in touch with either dad? Yeah. The, not the biological father. But the one who left. Yeah. yeah. So at six, you, you sort of had a, a, a relationship with him, but you sort of stepped into that role for your siblings and said, I have to, I have to protect you. Yeah. And I, I think, mm. you know, I just, I learned that by not talking about things yeah. that that was, that was the safest way to go. Yeah. And it's not true at all, but. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and, and we learned that uh, later in life, if we're yeah. lucky, right? I mean, yeah. I was there. Yeah. I, I put on, it sounds like that there was some shame and guilt and that sort of a thing, which was yeah. my scenario at a young age and just covered everything up. And then it's just layers and layers of covering up. And then um, I, I become the hidden entrepreneur because it's all kinds of hiding, which, you know, yeah. you show up as this uh, less than real version of yourself throughout life. Did you experience any of that? Yeah. So I think for me, the way that it, it came about was, so this is my story, but I never felt like it was just my story. And so I, I felt like I couldn't talk about my story, even if I wanted to, because it was also my mom's story. It's also my sibling's story. Um. And I was kind of outing them and even if I didn't feel guilty or I didn't feel shame about certain things, they probably did, or I knew that they did, right? In some cases I knew, in some cases I just assumed. And so I felt like that's not my story to tell, mm. even though it's my story. Wow. So that's, yeah. yeah. Was there anything you began to tell yourself as a young child um, or, or as you were going through life that you would vow to do or never to do based on all this? Like, did you have a plan? Um, I, I mean, I definitely vowed that I would never, ever depend on anyone for anything that I would I would figure out a way that I could make it happen. And I'm not saying I don't want 
anyone in my life or I don't want someone, but I would never need anyone. Hmm. And now as you're going through high school, what kind of a person were you? High achiever, top of my class, followed the rules, um, co-captain in the cheerleading squad, oh, wow. valedictorian, okay. um, but didn't make a big deal about it. Wow. Stayed, stayed humble, didn't like to talk about it, didn't like to brag about it, but so achieved, but kept quiet. Yeah. I didn't want the attention. Wow. Yeah. What did you aspire to be? Oh, um, so I, I always thought a doctor. I, then I went into psychology. Um, that was what my bachelor's was in, in college. And I thought it was going to be a marriage and family. Uh, yeah. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did an internship, was absolutely brokenhearted hearing the stories and realized there's, there's no way that I wanted to do that every day. I feel for them and there are people who are meant to do that, but that wasn't, that wasn't my place. Um, I knew that I, I couldn't do that. So I shifted gears, um, from that point, but yeah, I always thought it was going to be somewhere in that, that health space, whether, I mean, early on, I thought like a, a regular medical doctor versus a psychologist or something, but always in that field. Yeah. And what was your first career after college there? Marketing. So two days, literally two days after I graduated from college, I started at my first marketing agency, went right in, jumped right in. And um, it's fascinating to me how much of an overlap there is in my psychology background and then the marketing world. I mean, learning how people think, feel, and reason impacts marketing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know one of your, um, one of your strengths is helping your clients overcome that F word fear, of course. Right. Yeah. Um, tell me about that. What's your relationship with fear personally? Personally, I take action. I'm a doer. And so when I feel fear, I have learned, I'm not saying I've always done this, but I've learned just take action, figure out one next step, not feel like I have to have the entire plan, even though I'm a planner, I love to know every detail, but just to know that next step and to take action. So personally, that's my relationship with it. I've, I've noticed that there's, um, it's hard to tell the difference sometimes between what's terrifying and what's really exciting. And I find that those come at the same time, the same moments. So I've just chosen to focus on the excitement mm. and take action anyway. Yeah. I love that, uh, that deal there because there is, um, it's all like these like sort of a version of butterflies in your stomach for all of it. Yeah. And um, isn't it true that whenever there's fear, that's the good, it's, 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 it's a good sign. It's like, okay, this yeah. is where you should be going. Right. I think that as an entrepreneur, especially, but in general, anyone can relate to this there's a certain level of uncertainty and discomfort that you have to be okay with in order to be successful. And actually not just a certain level, like you really have to get comfortable with both of those. You can't tolerate, um, you can't tolerate discomfort. You have to get to the point where when you're, I mean, you can't tolerate, I'm sorry, you can't tolerate, you comfort. can't have an intolerance. Yeah. Let me phrase it this way. Yeah. You can't have an intolerance for discomfort. And that's where we all often sit is there at the slightest bit of something feeling hard, we decide to shift gears and to avoid it, but we have to learn to tolerate the discomfort. We have to sit in it, feel it, be okay with it. Cause that's all you get a whole lot of that in the entrepreneurship. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, so, so true. We, we have comfort and uncomfortability and whenever we feel uncomfortable, we will opt to go back to the pain that we're feeling because it's familiar. And that's, that's crazy. We're always attracted to the familiar for better or worse. And uh, whenever there's um, uncomfortability, we don't go towards that. We go running back to the pain version and uh, it's comfortable. Yeah. It's, it, that's, it's, it, it's the craziest thing that I'm learning. It's comfortable because it's familiar and known, yet it's pain. But we're willing to sit there because we know it. We know what it feels like. We know what to expect. Yeah. And so really 
one of the major pieces that's required to shift is to realize that the pain of where you are is far greater than the pain of where you're going. And oftentimes that's not the case. We like, we feel like it's the reverse. We feel like the change is hard. We feel like, I mean, the uncertainty itself is hard or where we're going to be that fear of success all comes to play. The unknown. All of those things. So as soon as you're able to truly accept that the pain of where you are right now is actually far greater then finally you're motivated to shift. Yeah, I I talk about it in the context of you have to be ready, willing, and able. And the willing portion simply means, are you willing to accept all possible outcomes of what's to come? So like pretend you're standing on a diving board, you're getting ready to dive head first into the pool. You may stand there for a while because you might be ready, but you're not willing because you have all these things, all these possible outcomes that you are projecting quite inappropriately. You know they're not going to be the case. You're making them up. So just make up a better version. You're making it up. That's the reason you're not diving. That's the only reason you're not diving because you are not willing to accept any possible outcome because you fear you're afraid of what might happen and you're making it up to begin with. I know. And why is it that we look at the worst case of where we might go while we sit looking at the best case of the pain that we're in right now? Like it's, it's crazy because we look at this best case for, for staying right where we are and, and compare that to worst case when it's, I mean, typically that's not what actually happens. It's not the actual that's exactly right. Yeah. That's, that's the whole humorous thing about this right. and about life. When you envision an outcome for something you desperately want to do, you know you should be doing it. You know you have to be doing it. You know it's the thing to do, but you create all these adverse outcomes in your mind and it keeps you right here. And then if and when you do it, it's always, see, was that so bad? Look, and if you didn't, it's never, never right. or rarely. And if it is, big deal. Right. Big, big deal. Then don't give up right there. Keep going. Yeah, you've moved, you progressed. There's so much. It seems like, I, believe me, I spent 40 plus years outside of this view. Um, so now, you know, just, I'm really just telling myself, right? This is, this is what it's all about. You always have to find the words to psych yourself into the direction you know you have to go. That's, that's what I've learned. That, that's what I'm doing. And it's never the outcome you, um, you envision terribly, ever. And again, if it is, so be it. You're better for it. Right. It's a lesson that you needed to learn in Tell order to be successful yeah. in the future. Yeah. Tell us, um, personally speaking, for you, um, this this whole brand of mine was was based around the the idea that I've I've hid behind fear my whole life for all the reasons we spoke of early. Share share a time in your life where fear just kept you frozen, but you knew you had to work through it. Well, okay, so. I'll even go back to just last year and I've been in this space for several years now, but I started to have this feeling that I was holding myself back more than I even realized that I was playing it safe from childhood and relating back to that and that I really wanted to go bigger. I wanted to share more of my story, my story. I wanted to help more people, but that was going to mean that I had to get more vulnerable and I had to show up authentically and I couldn't just show up polished and professional and here's what you need to do, but not share any of what, what I've actually done and give those real examples. And so what was holding me back was this idea that my mom wouldn't want me to share our story. We all of these years later, I still had this assumption and I don't know why, but there was never an option for me up until last year. And I realized, okay, if I'm going to get more visible, if I'm going to share more of my story, I can't hide it from her. Like she's going to hear about it because my story is her story. And so I decided I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm going to start showing up. And that means I'm going to give my mom a heads up and not go ask for permission but 
just let me give her a heads up. Let me give her that courtesy, right? Hey mom, I'm going to be talking more about our child, you know, my childhood. I'm going to talk about the things that we went through. Um, I'm not going to spare details because I, you know, I wanted to help people. And so I took a long time to really build up that courage to make that phone call. Um, but I did, I, I made a call to her and I got on the phone and I started to share, okay, mom, you know, that I've been in this space, you know what I'm all about. I've been dreaming bigger. I've been dreaming of showing up in a bigger way, um, writing a book, speaking on more stages, sharing the story. And that's going to require that I talk about the things that happen. The first words out of her mouth were people need to hear our story. And I was just like, hold on. What? <laughs> what? I didn't expect that. And she's like, no, I've, she's like, I've always had this dream of seeing you on stage. And I always knew that the biggest impact in my life would be the impact that you would make. Wow. Of and, you sharing the story through yeah. her. Yeah. And so without hesitation, she was like, wow. no, people need to hear this. People need to know what we went through, what happened and, and use that. And yeah, I knew that you'd be the one to share it. And, and I was like, yeah. I mean, I was just blown away because I thought that she would not want me to talk about it, that it was something. Right. Yeah. And I realized how much I had made up and she, you know, I even, I started to have a conversation, mom, I didn't think you'd want me to share any of this. And she was like, well, I mean, when you were really young, for sure, there were certain things that may have been best to keep quiet just because specifically going back to that biological father, like I didn't want them to come and try to pick you up from school right? And just take you home without permission and all of this stuff. And she's like, so there was an aspect to that, but otherwise, no, you're an adult now. Like what, what can happen? What are some of these details? If you could fill in the gaps for us now. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I'm, I think I suddenly mentioned or, or quickly bypassed the thought of my mom trying to commit suicide. And, um, so early on the first dad beat my mom while she was pregnant with me, um, cheated on her and left pretty early. So like before I was ever born, he was out of the picture. They got married really young and things ended pretty quickly. So I really don't have a relationship with him, but she, over time she remarried. And by the time I was six, um, another, her, another husband for her, but my dad cheated on her and left. And in that moment, I guess, with all the pain of everything that had happened, she tried to commit suicide. And I didn't know this for a little while. It took me, I guess, however many years until she shared it, or I, I kind of started to put the pieces together and figure it out. But there was a story that happened there. I know I mentioned early on about how she showed up really strong for me and told me that I could be this strong, independent woman and that I could do anything I put my mind to and that I'd never needed to rely on anyone. But she didn't believe that. She tried to give up. But what made the difference was actually the story of when she went into the hospital um, after she, she'd taken pills to, to try to attempt this. And luckily, um, someone in the family noticed she was taken to the hospital and they gave pumped charcoal into her stomach. And so her teeth were black from the charcoal. And there were some nurses who made fun of her for having the black teeth. They were talking about her and laughing at her. And she's in this state by herself in a room in this such, I mean, such a vulnerable state. And they were laughing and making fun. And then there was this one nurse and she came in and she sat with my mom and took her by the hand and told her, I've been where you are. I've tried what you tried and you can make it through it. You will be okay. And told her her story. Mm. And all of a sudden, my mom had renewed hope. And that's the side of my mom that I saw. It was really her reflecting what this nurse had told her. So everything that I heard when my mom was back home and I was sitting in the porch with my head in her lap swinging and she's singing to me, she's telling me it's going to be okay because that's what someone just told her. So she may not have fully believed it yet. She may not have fully seen how that was even going to work out, but she heard it and conveyed that to me. And that's the mom that I saw. I didn't know the other stuff. I just saw that she was strong. And what's really amazing is what she's done since then. So my mom went back to school. She got her nursing degree. 
she moved up the ranks in hospital management environment to the point where she then left the hospital environment. Um, she worked for another company still as a nurse and then eventually started her own business. So now she's an entrepreneur in this space. And this is the mom that I saw. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you, my goodness. So through this young child, through your life till now, you actually witnessed this metamorphosis, this evolution of your mother coming to the person that she always was. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I witnessed all of the good and the bad. As the oldest kid, she, she always said, you were with me through it all. You saw everything. And I think, again, it was an assumption that I made that I needed to hide the bad. Mm. But it wasn't until, I mean, over, over time and really until last year that I realized how much we've got to talk about that part because that's the part that, that's where other people are sitting right now. Other people are in spots where they can relate to my mom sitting in that bed um, at the hospital. They can relate to me laying in her lap in a porch swing after my dad left. She can, I mean, people can relate to all of those stories and they need to hear about the transformation and not just the after. Yeah, this is why I, I, I adore um, having people like you here telling these stories because people, people need to hear them. People are, people are going to pick up on parts of it that they need to hear that will resonate, that'll ring true, that'll be exactly what's necessary in that moment to, to shift, to, to have them do the thing that's next for them. Mm -hmm. You talk about the idea that we can play so much bigger than we think. What does that mean? How does that relate in your life? Yeah. So for me personally, that means that I had these dreams and goals that I set for myself, but I really wasn't even allowing myself to dream to the fullest that I could. I was still all of my limiting beliefs and fears at one point were as much as I tried to figure out what I wanted, I was still limiting that, right? And so it took a while and, and sometimes it does. It takes baby steps of, yes. of uncovering these layers of, oh, there's more. There's more that I want. There's actually more. And, and realizing that you're far, you're capable of far more than you ever thought possible. Um, whatever you want right now, there's probably more that you're capable of. And so I, I like to encourage everyone that I work with, everyone I speak to, to take that time and to really dream bigger. Take all the limits away, all the fears away. If you weren't afraid, if you had unlimited resources, if you could do anything without worrying about what anyone else thought about it, what would you do then? And then go do that because you can. It really is that simple. It, it really is. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And I think that, you know, by sharing that, going back to relating to the, to the story, I think that in a way it's, it's being that nurse for my mom of sharing that story, that hope, that potential, like you are capable of more. It doesn't have to stay this way. Um, but then also encouraging people to step into that role as well. Like if you step into your fullest potential, imagine the impact that would make in the world. And if we all did imagine that impact. And I'll venture to say that you are aware of what that potential is. Certainly for me, for all of my life, I was very aware of what was brewing and simmering on the inside. Never let it bubble over. I kept that down. I turned my back on it. I ignored it. So I could perpetuate this crazy story uh, in, my, in my world of who I was and how I had to show up in the world. And of course, everybody was uh, very eager to help me perpetuate that because I found those people and surrounded myself with those people to make certain of it. But again, the big point is that I knew all along what I was, what I was turning my back on for my own um, 
potential and capability. And I know everybody listening is very aware also, but we'll make excuse until we're ready to, to maintain that status quo. Yeah. I think that we all look at things as very black and white and either we can have that or, or we can't, but there's only this way or that way. And there's all of these compelling reasons why we can't, you know, there are, yeah. I mean, an, an unlimited number of reasons yeah. that we can't have that dream, that we can't realize that potential, make that possible. And you're making those reasons up. You yeah. are oh. bringing them to life. You are making them tangible and material and making them up and thinking them and making them true. Only you, That's only right. you are making them true. See what's on this side. See what's on this side or not a choice. See right. what's on this side or don't, or don't. What right. else can I tell you, right? One yeah. or the other. Yeah. And so many of the things that we use as the reason not to do something are the exact same reasons that someone else chooses to do something. That's amazing. And that's what I've always found. The very same thing can either be used as a, an excuse not to move forward or the very reason that you have to. Wow. Yeah. Do you have an example of that, of that how we put that in play? Yeah. I mean, let's just use my story again. I could either use this circumstance of my mom's story as a reason not to move forward, as an excuse not to share, huh? or that can be the very reason that I absolutely have to share my story because of the impact that it could make. Mm. I, you can take any circumstance and use it for good or bad. You can take any circumstance and morph it into to really make whatever argument you want to make, you know? Yeah. In your own head as yeah, you yeah. make that argument. It's, right. it's, all, it, it's all yours to make up. That's all, it's all it is. You're, you're setting that dialogue. Yeah. And I mean, so maybe, my, maybe the, the circumstances of this story were even a little, um, I mean, I don't think extreme in the sense of a lot of people have gone through it, but let's take a, a very practical situation. I have people come to me all the time um, who say, I just don't have the time. Here we go. Yeah. And they say, you know, I'm a mom since I work with women, many are moms. I'm a mom. My kids have all these activities. I just don't have time to build this business. I just don't have time to pursue this yet. I'll speak with someone else and they don't have time and that's exactly what they want. And so they're going to create this business no matter what it's going to take so they can get that time back. Mm. Same thing can be the reason you don't do it. Mm. The reason that you do. I see that. I love that. Yeah. Looking back on a younger version of yourself, what advice would you give that person? Um, it would be to imagine myself once I have everything that I want, what, once I am that successful person, and then to make decisions now or, or then if I'm speaking to a younger self, go ahead and start making decisions based on what that woman would do. Mm. Make decisions as if I'm already her, um, which totally takes a lot of the fear out of the way, takes the what ifs out of the way, because we were, we're acting as if we're already that successful person that we've already accomplished it. And so then you're making decisions out of faith and not fear. Yeah. Right. That's, that's obviously the, the secret to every part of success today. Do yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah. What mantra do you live by? Mm. There's so many. Um, let's see. I would say <laughs> there, there's, this fits right in line with the last, but I would say be strategic from the start. I mean, I could go a lot of different directions, but that truly does fit with everything that I talk about. Everything that I teach is imagining, imagining the end and begin, you know, beginning with the end in mind, that whole mm. thing. So being strategic from the start, thinking about what you want and moving forward with that in mind. Yeah. Do you, do you believe that everything happens for a reason? I think that, everything can be used for good. 
which maybe isn't exactly the same. Fair. Yeah. Are you spiritual or religious in any ways? Yeah. I am. Which? Uh, Christian. I'm a Christian, so I would say both. Spiritual yeah. and religious. Yeah. What do you believe happens when it's all over? When our time here on earth comes to an end? I, I believe that we either go to heaven or hell. I believe that, you know, that's based on our beliefs. I mean, I don't, how, how much do you want to talk about the spiritual aspect and, and faith, but I have solid Christian beliefs. So the, the mm -hmm. typical, yeah, the typical Christian beliefs. Yeah. That's great. Well, I will leave you with this final question. Catherine Binkley, how would you like to be remembered? Mm. Um, I would like to be remembered and, and always thought of as someone who helped people see what was possible for them and achieve it, even though they never thought it. At one point, they never thought it was possible. Yeah. Wow. This has been an empowering dialogue. Thank you for showing up and opening up and for, for talking to us in this regard. Very, very insightful. Thank you, Catherine. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I, yeah, and I appreciate everybody tuning in, whether you're in the group watching the live stream here, like I see some of you are really cool, or if you're catching the podcast episode, we hope you enjoyed it. Really, really good to have you spend your time with us. If you enjoyed us, let us know and take one step forward, put something good into the world. Like Catherine said, just the next step, right? You don't have to have all the pieces in place. I love that idea. And it's so true. We're going to do another episode not too far behind. I look forward to spending the next round with you. Until we do it, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>